Imagine if after graduating university, you joined a startup company that decided on the seventh year running their small company that everyone in the business was going to take a year to rest. The business simply would not run that year. Crazy, right? The business probably would close and grow under. But what if I told you that there are Christ followers making faithful, risky decisions to experiment with how to integrate Sabbath rest into their lives? My name is Alan, and I've had the absolute pleasure to join my colleagues Derek and Terry to craft this beautiful Sabbath project, Sabbath 101. I'm staff at SFU in UVic, and I welcome you to another episode of Sabbath 101, which might be the most important course you take in university. Today, I want to take us to the very end of the Bible, to one of the very final images that we're left with. And as I read through, I want you to remember Genesis 1 and the rhythm of creation that we spoke of at the beginning of our Sabbath 101 course. Listen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more for the first things have passed away. Revelations 21, 1-4. Do you see it? Sabbath rest? Sabbath delight? No, the word might not be there, but I promise you, it's there. Remember Genesis 1. Do you see the parallels? In Genesis 1, Yahweh creates the heavens and the earth. Now in Revelations 21, he creates a new heaven and a new earth. In Genesis 1, the spirit hovers over creation. Elohim rests on the seventh day in creation. And in Genesis 2, Yahweh walks with his earthlings. Now, Revelation promises, in the new creation, Yahweh will dwell. He'll not just hover, not just walk in creation, but he will dwell. He will live with us. In previous weeks, we've spoken about how Sabbath is a call to have nothing more to do with slavery. No more to be oppressed. No more to be the oppressor. Remember, for the Israelites, Sabbath was a way to be reminded that Yahweh had brought them out of slavery so that they could be his people and he could be their God. Now, in the final restoration of all things, see what Yahweh is doing. God is with his people and they, his people, are with their God, and he is wiping away their tears. That is the effects of every horrible form slavery has taken a hold of humanity. If you look back in Revelations before chapter 21, you can see the destruction of Babylon, the biblical archetype of every empire and agent of enslavement. Now, here in Revelations 21, we are presented with this incredible and perhaps difficult to believe hope. All empires, all oppression has been dealt with, and Yahweh is with his people. He's healed their pain, healed their trauma from everything that has caused the pain and broken relationships that define them. And now, 
now, healed of all that, they can truly partner with him in his project of creation. This is the ultimate image of Sabbath. This is what Sabbath ultimately points us towards. But what does that mean for us as we practice Sabbath now? Real story. A few years ago, after I had led a Bible study on the SFU campus, a few students and I were sitting around at one of the public tables uh, when we were joined by a stranger who asked if he could sit down. I said yes, and uh, yeah, then started to ask questions to get to know him. Uh, when I asked what he liked to do in his free time, he said, I like to fast. I was instantly curious. When you speak of fasting, do you mean just dieting, I asked him? No, said the student. A diet is just a food plan. For me, it's something more. It's about commitment. It's about wholeness. It's about health. Wolfson then continued to elaborate on his fasting plans. As he talked, I felt my anticipation grow for what the Holy Spirit was doing, and I waited for the moment when I could ask a particular question that was rising inside me. Hey, so for a lot of people, fasting has, like, spiritual connotations. What about you? Is there anything spiritual about your fasting? Do you have any spiritual backgrounds? No, not really, said the student. Like, my mom was an atheist and my dad was a Muslim, but we never really practiced anything in the house. Uh, the student then changed the subject. I was wondering if I had asked the wrong question, but then a few moments later, he looked and asked, What about you? What spirituality looks like for you? There it was. That was what I'd been waiting for. I began to share about a few of my experiences of hearing God speak to me as I had fasted, hoping that I had piqued his interest. I ended one of my stories with an invitation. Hey, would you ever be interested in fasting and praying with me and listening to whether s someone speaks back to you? Sure, he said. Here's my phone number. And so we began fasting and praying together. Okay, so that's a long story, but there's a point to it. Typically, I don't get into long conversations about spiritual practices with strangers or people who don't identify of having some level of spirituality. And I typically think, oh, those are for Christ followers and their personal discipleship. People who don't identify as that probably won't be interested in things like fasting or solitude or Sabbath. Over the past few years as I've been on staff, again and again, myself and others have been proven wrong. I've come to realize that there is an evangelistic bent that our spiritual practices must have. Our spiritual practices cannot be disconnected from our missiological understanding and practice. In short, our witness and our lifestyle of Sabbath must and can be integrated and intertwined with each other. If they aren't, we're missing something. So what does the witness of your Sabbath look like? Okay, so what do a business choosing for all their workers to practice a Sabbath year? Revelations 21 and the Sabbath as a form of faithfulness, how does that all work together? The answer is this. 
all three are a part of God's mission, which Yahweh began with this project of creation as described in Genesis, which continues all throughout the Bible to our very present age into the description of new creation described in Revelations 21. All of this is the fullness of what older generations might be described as the Great Commission. So Sabbath is a part of the call to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of age. Yes, that's a Great Commission. Interesting how we really only focus on the first sentence, go and make disciples and baptize them. But if we place the Great Commission within the context of what Yahweh Elohim is up to within the whole narrative of Scripture, then Sabbath becomes a part of that mission. And it can no longer stay as this religiously private for only Christ followers thing. What does that mean for us? Well, to start, it means that there are elements of applications from previous Sabbath 1 episodes that you can already talk about and practice with people of other religions or with people who don't want anything to do with Jesus. Experimenting with ethically sourced food on your Sabbath? Go share about what you're trying to do with all your social justice warrior friends. They're probably already trying similar things. Struggling to slow down on your Sabbath? Go connect with students on your campus who want to slow down, but perhaps have no idea that there is a way one even can. Why experiment in the business world with Sabbaths or sabbatical years? Yeah, it's crazy, but it builds crazy curiosity towards Jesus and what he is doing in the world. Sabbath is to be shared and not kept for ourselves. It's a blessing and it's for us so that we can bless others. So let's not hide this radical gift nor keep it for ourselves. How is God inviting you to share the gifts of Sabbath to those around you? The moment has come that we've been building up to. This week, we practice a full 24 hours of Sabbath, and I encourage you to go back and listen to previous episodes and practice some of the Sabbath activities that you haven't had the chance to experiment with. There's some good stuff there. This week, our Sabbath challenge is to find a way to bring up your Sabbath in casual conversation with your friends and classmates. When they ask about your week, include your Sabbath in your description of how you've been. Here's a few tips of how you can do that. First, be vulnerable and authentic. Sabbath is hard and your sharing can be about the struggle to practice as much as your success um, in practicing Sabbath. Second, don't assume your friends know what a Sabbath is. Nor, don't go to the other stream of and avoid using the word Sabbath. Instead, have fun playing around with a good, compelling uh, description of that will build curiosity and earn trust with your friends. Third, try not to name drop Sabbath and expect your friends to ask about what Sabbath is. A Canadian sentimentality will probably lead them to ignore it and focus on the other parts of the week. So you might need to ask, 
Hey, when I said Sabbath, did you even know what the heck I was talking about? Feeling super scared? Apathetic? Or feeling something else? Find a friend to pray and talk to Jesus about any apprehensions you have. 5. A sweet spot in the conversation with friends might be to get them to imagine what it would be like for them if they took a whole day to rest. What would it be like? If you get there in the conversation, listen for a possible place to invite your friend to try out the Sabbath practice with you. If you have any more questions about how to witness to your friends, we encourage you to reach out to mentors, parents, church leaders, intervarsity staff, or other members of the Christian community that you are a part of. Remember, living missionally is always a lifestyle best practiced in community. This has been Sabbath 101, one of the most important courses you can take in university. May God continue to transform you and your Sabbath communities as you practice stopping, resting, and delighting in our triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you.